We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sticking with the bird-themed NFL teams here as we bring in our next guest on the West Her Hotline. It's Sean Stepner. He's a sports reporter over at WMAR. It's an ABC affiliate in Baltimore and former Western New Yorker. First things first, Sean, we will not be talking about Jack Eichel. Uh, I want to just put that on the table now. Uh, My producer has a very quick finger, and he will hang up on you if you try to bring up a Jack Eichel trade to Washington. I just just want to let you know. I just want to let you know it's off the table. So. Well, you know I'm a hockey guy at heart, so I might have to sneak it in there, but maybe we'll do it toward the end. <laughs> That's so right. So you dump me, uh, <laughs> I, I fill what you need first, and then, you know, I'm gone. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair, man. At, le- at least we can get some of the Ravens talk out of the way, and then, you know, I can hang up on you at the end of the show. That, that, I think that'll be that's more respectful for both of us. Um, Sean, you know, I think the Ravens are entering into, I think, one of the most consequential seasons of, like, this era that they're in. Um, and I'm sort of wondering where what you think the outlook is, because they've taken steps in the right direction at the wide receiver position, which is what everyone around football might be looking at to say, like, yeah, like this is what they needed, but in order for them to make the room, or really, frankly, just in order for them to do the things they did at wide receiver, they sacrificed some positions on the defensive side of the ball, particularly the defensive line, letting uh, Yannick and Duque, um, you know, ultimately go on in free agency to uh, to um, Las Vegas, and that's a defensive line last year that was sort of the heartbeat of that whole team, not just the defense. So I'm wondering, they got better at wide receiver, but how consequential can any receiver really truly be in a Greg Roman system that is pretty limited to the receivers and passing game? And how much are they going to miss what they had on the defensive line last year? All right, so let's start with, um, you know, the the Roman uh, Ravens offense and how productive they want to be. Look, um, everybody knows, and Bills fans obviously know, about Roman's style, and he's a run-first guy heavily involves the tight ends and you know that's what baltimore has been throughout their franchise history really i mean they've been a run first ground and pound offense now will that um offense survive and thrive really in today's nfl i mean you need to be able to pass the ball you need to be able to stretch the field um so that uh being said look they they added um, Rashad Bateman in the first mm-hmm. round. They added Sammy Watkins, another guy that Bills fans are, are, are well aware of. Um, as a veteran presence, um, they have the young guy, Marquise Brown, who's another first-round draft pick. Those three guys, Brown, Bateman, and Watkins, all former first-round picks. I mean, you add James Prochet 
and Devin Duvernay, Tylen Wallace from from this year, Miles Boykin from a couple of years ago. Those are all guys that the, the Ravens have drafted over like the last three years to play wide receiver and some special teams. So I mean, they're heavily invested in wide receiver. Um, you know, it's on Lamar Jackson now to improve as a passer. This is the last ranked passing offense in the league last year. Uh, you know, right. so so th- that's where they have to improve. Um, specifically outside the numbers and deep for Lamar, uh, but but they're definitely invested on the offensive side, specifically at wide receiver, getting younger and getting some more weapons for Lamar. Now on the defensive side, I, I don't know if Yannick Ngakwe is as big of a loss for the Ravens as Matthew Judon sure. is. Yep, um, he goes to New England. But, you know, that, that's kind of, over the last few years, that's, that's kind of been the Ravens' M.O. I mean, they let their high-priced free agents, I mean, especially on defense, um, they let them go, they draft better, and they rely on Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. um, who has a lot of respect around the league and has proven himself, has a good track record. They rely on him to scheme it up, and it really – has worked in recent years. I mean, they, you know, th- like I said, th- this franchise has been known over the years, um, as long as they've been around, as a running team and a good defense. And that's, that's how they're going to win. That's sure. how they're going to win going forward. I guess, you know, a good follow-up question to that is this whole Julio Jones situation, I think, is is, is overall uh, pretty interesting, especially from afar. I'm not sure. Listen, I, should the Bills be interested in Julio Jones? Absolutely. Should they do what's necessary to go and get him? I'm just, I'm just not sure it makes sense for them, even though they are in this, I think, really interesting like Super Bowl window and you can't exactly say that about a lot of teams I mean you could say they're in a playoff window and a win now window I'm not sure many teams get to be quote unquote like in a Super Bowl window I think the Bills are that I also think the Ravens are that so I think those are two teams that make a lot of sense for Julio Jones I just if the Ravens are to go out and get a Julio Jones I just how do you how do you justify that in the same sort of breath we're talking about this this pass passing game situation where as a Lamar Jackson fan, I'm just not sure this is the type of offense where you could have four receivers um, like Julio Jones, Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, Hollywood Brown, and really be able to utilize them all to their strengths, considering it's just not... Again, this is not a Lamar Jackson critique. It's more of a Greg Roman critique. But I, I just wonder how a Greg Roman could use a Julio Jones. And do you believe that kind of move would be worth the you know value and return you'd have to give up to to acquire a Julio Jones based on who they've already acquired to tr- to sort of give that room a, a sort of boost in the arm? I just don't think that that's the way that the Ravens operate, and, yeah. and they haven't. Over the years, I mean, you look at their general manager. Um, up until three years ago, it was Ozzie Newsom. That was the only general manager the Ravens had. And then, you know, Eric DaCosta takes over. Eric DaCosta has been with the Ravens since day one. Since day one, when they when they got to Baltimore, Eric DaCosta was a scout, and he worked his way up to um, you know the top assistant for Ozzie, and then he took over for Ozzie. And he's a little bit more aggressive than Ozzie Newsom was, but. It's just not how they operate. I mean, they they value the draft and draft capital as much as any team in the National Football League, really. And I just don't think they're prepared to give up what it's going to take to land a Julio Jones and then add on to that 
what they've already dedicated, like I mentioned before, to the wide receiver group going into this season. Look, I mean, are were the Ravens interested in Julio Jones? Look, I mean, define interested. I mean, who's not interested right, in, right. in at least thinking about adding Julio Jones, right? Did Eric DaCosta make a call? He probably did. Um, was that call specifically to try and work out and hammer out a Julio Jones trade? I don't think so. Was it to maybe inquire about what it would take and kind of compare and contrast uh, what those teams are, are looking at going forward? Maybe. Uh, but GMs have these all the time. And so, you know, I'm sure the Ravens kind of kicked the tires at one point. Uh, who wouldn't? Right. But I think once we got past the draft and you look at how they, th- this roster is built, I just don't think that – I could be wrong, but I, I don't think come next week, come the week after – we're talking about Julio Jones in purple in Baltimore. You know, I think the the next phase of like our conversation probably does need to move into Lamar Jackson territory because like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are sort of, I don't want to say in a standoff because I, I don't think that's right to term it that way, but I do think they're in a really interesting position, right? Like I think it's safe to say Josh Allen is probably going to be in the conversation for like, Dak Prescott money. Um, I think Lamar Jackson has earned the right to be talked about um, in that realm of the Dak Prescotts, of um, the Josh Allens, and you know some of the top passers in the league that are going to be making you know thirty five, forty, forty five million dollars a year, which is or the Patrick Mahomes, right? Like that's the kind of money players like that get paid. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Like, what are the what are the Ravens' appetite for paying him that type of money? even when we haven't quite seen him develop as the passer, maybe to the level that would warrant that $35, $40 million contract, are they, I guess the question amongst this is, are they sort of banking on him not seeing his ceiling as a passer yet, and maybe they're paying for statistics or they're paying for a ceiling that they haven't quite seen yet, and how, I guess, how risky is that? Man, I mean, that's a lot of questions balled into one. Balled into one. It's, like, it's like, what do you value, right? I right, mean, right, 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 right. Look, there's no, there's no denying what Josh Allen can do and can still get better. There's no denying what Patrick Mahomes can do. There's no denying what Dak Prescott can do. Um, there, there's, there's no denying what Lamar Jackson can do. And, uh, look, there's a lot to be desired in the passing game, um, and I've already gone over kind of where he needs to improve, but – you know, when there's, there might be a lot to be desired through the air, but no one in the NFL can do what Lamar Jackson does, right? I mean, would you agree? Yeah. On the, on the ground, at sure. least, uh, changing the game, getting into open space, making something out of nothing. Sure. I mean, look, Josh Allen, he's, he might be the closest, no? I mean, what he yeah. does right. on a weekly basis is, um, you know, that's Pro Bowl, all pro level. Look, I, I mean, that, that's, that's it. And, and he grew by leaps and bounds last year. I watched the Bills a lot. It helped that they were on prime time and they yep. weren't playing, you know, the same time the Ravens, you know. Um, and, no, but, 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 look, uh, how, how do I say it? Changing a game um, with just an improvised play when something breaks down, there's no one that, that, that can do it like Lamar at this point in the game. Do you want to pay for that? Um, knowing that he also is one of the hardest working guys out there um, and just a truly good 
down-to-earth human being. I mean, I, I don't think you're, you're going to find one, uh, one article, mainstream media or social media or even people that hate him as a player. Uh, you're not going to find one piece on the Internet about how he wasn't a good guy, sure. right? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you have to value that as well. Uh, I, I mean, at least I think. Maybe I'm old school. But, um, look, he's going to get paid, and anybody of his ilk um, is going to get paid top dollar, uh, as will you know, Josh Allen as well, uh, you know, when the time comes. So, yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're going to pay him. I don't think it's, it's really a question. Um, and I think they should pay him. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the question comes where, you know, the Ravens did this with, Joe Flacco a number of years ago. I, I'm not comparing Lamar to, to Joe Flacco. I'm, I'm comparing uh, how you build a roster around paying a quarterback that kind of money. That's what I'm comparing it. Don't don't get everybody. Don't get all uh, all, all hot bothered with with this comparison. But I'm saying like after the Ravens won the Super Bowl, you know Joe Joe Flacco got that that contract, and the Ravens struggled for a number of years after that because they just they they, they didn't do a good enough job. Um, kind of building around him. But, um, you know, that, that's where the question is going to be after Lamar gets the deal. We've got Sean Stepner here on the Wester Hotline. He's a sports reporter for WMAR, ABC affiliate in Baltimore. And, you know, kind of continuing on this conversation, I think the one other interesting, I don't know if I want to call it development, but as a Mark Andrews fantasy owner in several leagues in 2019, uh, us fantasy owners of Mark Andrews were rejoicing uh, because he was very clearly the top target. Uh, he was doing things as a rookie and a first year, or a second year player that you know I don't think a, a lot of people thought was going to happen. I think he was a fifth round pick, like just to kind of like he had to sort of start to his career that not many day three picks have um, in the NFL. But that offense, to your credit and to your point. You know, functions and flows through, particularly the passing offense through the tight end position. So, with the addition of a Bateman and a Sammy Watkins, what are you sort of expecting? I, I listen. Mark Andrews had a down year last year, even though his numbers were still pretty darn good. The underlying numbers were, anyways. I, I just wonder: is he still, with all these new additions to the passing offense, is he still kind of de facto number one target for this offense? Still? Yeah, I think so, and I think he's going to benefit from from them getting. You know, look, we, we still don't know what type of players these guys will be, right? I mean, we don't know what Bateman will be. Um, we, we don't know, really, if Marquise Brown's going to take it up another level. I mean, it all relies on Lamar and the, and, the, and the passing game and the scheme and what have you. I mean, that's what makes the NFL great. But, yeah, I think Lamar um, – excuse me, Mark Andrews, I think he'll, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll get a little bit better. Um, you know, a lot of his production – look, in 2019 – that's another thing that, that, that people talk about with Lamar. You know, he, had a, you know, he took a step back. You know, you're going to take a step back after that in 2019 season. I mean, that was historic level offense there from a run perspective anyway. And the, the, the Ravens were just like blowing out teams and pouring on points. And Lamar was like the biggest thing. He won MVP. And Mark Andrews was a big part of it. Hayden Hurst was a big part of it too. I mean, they had Andrews and Hayden Hurst. And, you know, they, they shipped Hurst to Atlanta. Uh, and, you know, Nick Boyle took a bigger role. Nick, now, last season, Nick Boyle got hurt. And so, you know, you have a, a little bit of issues with the tight end. So, look, I think Mark Andrews, 
he might still be the number one target. Yeah, I would I would go as far as to say that. And uh, I think he will take another, uh, maybe a step, maybe a step forward in uh, 2021. The other guy I think is maybe the most interesting, and we're you know I'm kind of looking at this from a fantasy perspective. But J.K. Dobbins enters into a situation that you know he looks like he'll be the you know the de facto number one running back. I know this team likes to use multiple running backs. Mark Ingram, I think. Often underappreciated as a player, um, a lot of injuries that he battled through last year. I think you know his lack of presence in the lineup. I did think led to some of the issues that they had in the running game. But J.K. Dobbins, to me, really is—he's that young, dynamic playmaker. I'm pretty excited to sort of see what his outlook is this year. Are you expecting you know Buck Allen to still sort of get a lot of carries, or is this going to be the J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson show in the backfield? Uh, it's, it's J.K. Dobbins um, and uh, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards, yes. I'm um, sorry, Gus Edwards, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. So uh, you know, Mar- they, you know, Mark Ingram, uh, they let go. He's with Texans. The Texans now. Uh, look, before last season, uh, yeah, I was asked by somebody, you know, who's going to be like the surprise name, or you know, maybe the uh, not the unsung hero, but who's going to have a breakthrough performance in 2020? And I, I immediately thought. J.K. Dobbins, and um, he he did. I mean, he he came on strong through the. They weren't just going to give him the job, especially when they have Mark Ingram there, who's a respected veteran. Uh, and Mark Ingram, you know, slowly took a backseat to J.K. Dobbins, and J.K. Dobbins is elusive. I mean, he is the guy that you saw at Ohio State. It has transitioned to the pro game, and yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have another. Uh, big year, he's, he, you know his numbers are going to go up. He 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 knows what the NFL game is all about, and um, yeah, I, I think it is definitely the Dobbins and Jackson show on the ground. And don't don't sleep on Gus Edwards. All mm-hmm. that guy does is pick up first downs, and um, so you know as long as you know uh, as long as the Ravens aren't facing. Um, you know, a goal to go with Teron Johnson out there, they should be fine uh, in 2021. <laughs> Bravo, my friend. Bravo. Um, I, I, I am going to go against my better judgment, and I'm going to talk a little hockey with you for the next, like, two minutes. Um, I think the Washington is at a really interesting crossroads. I don't want to say crossroads, because I still think regardless – it, has there been a better long-term contract to ever play out than than like Alex Ovechkin? When somebody signs a ten-year, a seven-year contract, you almost it's done almost knowing they'll never see the end of that contract. And I think Alex Ovechkin is one of those rare people that not only was that contract worth it, you could almost make the argument that it it was a value, like that they really kind of got way more out of that contract than than even Alex Ovechkin did. But he's a free agent at the end of this year. Wondering, sort of, you know, in the in the breath of this Jack Eichel talk, is there a sense there in Washington that there needs to be a move made in order to help them maybe get the most out of Alex Ovechkin's last couple of years and and, and maybe at the top of his game? I'm not saying Ovechkin is like you know in the dog days here or anything, but he is on the back end of a career that is one of the best ever. He's going to end up being probably one of the best scorers of all time, but. Is there a sense that a move needs to be made to pair him with someone that maybe gives them an opportunity to win another cup or two? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, the talk, um, and as you saw in the Bruins series, um, you know, that, that just ended, the, the Caps for a couple of games they looked old. 
Um, I mean, their, their window is open, but, you know, it's, it's closing over the next two years. I mean, they're still – their best players are, are, are still, um, you know, Backstrom was their leading yeah. scorer, uh, Ovechkin, um, uh, you know, um, John Carlson, who's not old, but he's not young anymore. Um, you know, they're one of the oldest teams in the National Hockey League, and, you know, the sense is that something – there needs to be a legit hockey trade. And, and it, a lot of fans, um, and I think, I think in, in the front office as well, um, that, that might revolve around Evgeny Kuznetsov, who has, been, has made some questionable decisions. Let's, make, let's put it that way off the ice, um, being on the COVID list a couple times, then, you know, going into the playoffs without Kuznetsov and Samsonov because they were dealing with, you know, being on the COVID protocol, that, that really, I think it really hurt them. Um, you know, you want to be rolling when you hit game one and you drop the puck uh, for the playoffs, and they just weren't. They were also dealing with injuries, but everybody's dealing with injuries. Uh, but that being said, look, the, the Caps – they had a lead in game two. They, you know, they lost it late, yep. and they lost in overtime. They, they hit two posts. Game three, double overtime, a bad play by Sam Sonov behind the net, and the Bruins, you know, they take that game. And, and you know, game four was a stinker, and game five happened. Game five. They were right in it. Um, that's the playoffs, man. Uh, that, that is the playoffs. But, yes, I think that it doesn't necessarily – revolve around getting the most out of Alex Ovechkin and doing it for Ovechkin to, to prioritize his final years. I mean, let's face it, he's not going anywhere. He's going to resign with the Caps. Um, but I, I think it's really to keep this window open and keep this team among the best in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, I, think they need to, I think they need to change something. Because a couple, a couple years ago, uh, after the Cup, uh, you know, it, was, it was two straight exits, and it was, it was on the coach. They, they fired the coach to yeah. bring in LaViolette. And now, now it's on the players because it happened again. Oh, so you're saying uh, it's not always the coach's fault? Well, in, in the instance of the <laughs> Sabers, my friend, uh, oh, man. it has. Brutal. Listen, dude, I, I, you, you covered this town, and you know that even when the Bills are at the very best, this still remains a hockey town at heart. And where this organization and where Terry and Kim Pagula are, are sort of over on their watch have let this thing go to um, you know I was on with Bulldog yesterday filling in for Mike and you know it's it's troublesome it's worrisome I don't I'm, I'm running out of good words to use but it's like sad. they are close to it's losing sad. this thing man like like and in a way that you know, I'm I'm worried about you know next season about ticket sales, uh, dude. I mean, this is this is a town that watches hockey regardless of how bad it is. Their national, like their TV ratings, have been number two for the better part of a decade, and their TV ratings are down 38 percent. Sean, I just, as a former Western New Yorker yourself, I'm one. I'm wondering what your take is on like just how dire and maybe how the rest of the league is looking at this situation. Yeah, you know what it is. It's sad. Yeah, that's what it is. It is. It, it's a, just a sad state of affairs. But I'm, maybe I'm an eternal optimist. Look, I mean, it's really hard. The law of averages, right? <laughs> you, yeah, you, right. You're, you're due, but you've, you've been due for so long. Look, winning cures all ills. That's easy to say. Um, but yeah, I mean. It took too long to get rid of uh, get rid of Kruger. Obviously, way too long. Um, 
Look, the, the hockey and then the NHL is way better when Buffalo's good. I've been, I know the passion for hockey. It's why I was so fired up to work there and, and get a job there originally. And I still miss going to the rink, uh, being early to the rink at, at uh, First Niagara Center. Um, what is it, Key Bank Center now? Yep, Key Bank. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still, I still miss going, you know, going there and seeing a clean sheet of ice before practice, right? I mean, um, so, but look, I mean, it moves, you talk about the Caps needing to, to change it up, I mean, moves need to be made. Uh, you got to get people that want to that wanna play passionately for the Sabres and wear those now beautiful royal blue jerseys. Um, and it doesn't seem like Eichel wants to, doesn't, doesn't seem like Ristolainen wants to, but really Eichel. And look, I mean, a guy like every, everybody's going to want to propose a trade for for Jack Eichel. Um, uh-huh. It might be tough to tough to hear, but you know, if, if you can if you can swing an Eichel and get some really you know high picks and and good prospects, I think it might be a tough pill to swallow, but it might be the right move um, and just kind of. Maybe blow it up, start it over, and you know, it, look, it, it's 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 really hard to miss the playoffs as much as Buffalo has missed the playoffs um, in, in recent years, in the recent you know the last decade. So, you know, just uh, maybe start it over and get some new blood in there and and build around Cousins and whoever yeah. you get for Eichel. Maybe I mean I don't know. It's it's the what I I guess the overall concerning part is knowing that this team is has put themselves in a situation where there's almost no way to win from an Eichel trade or from a Reinhardt trade. You know no other team's going to truly give you the value that you know you deserve back because they know the position you you yourself have put your you know the Sabers in. You know like and 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 this is not Kevin Adams' fault by the way. Kevin Adams has inherited just an absolute tire fire and you know you feel bad for the guy um and and this is this is an organization that has you know a handful of hockey operations people i, I just it it is it's frustrating and more than anything i think you put it best she's just kind of sad um but hey yeah, anyways man sure. i i appreciate you hopping on as always thanks for making time on the long holiday weekend always love having you on always love uh love your insight and uh looking forward to uh probably hashing it out at some point uh in the nfl season when uh when that ravens bills matchup comes across Anytime. Thanks, Nate. My pleasure. Sean Stepner there of WMAR in Baltimore. It is the uh, ABC affiliate up there. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.